0: Welcome back everyone to the OG's Don Povia joined as always by Kyle Bunch. Kyle,
1: welcome back. What's up? Hey, good to see you again. Good to be back. Uh, Yeah, not much to report. Just, uh, Just easing into summer out down here in Austin well i think
0: last year we or last week i'm sorry we had one of the uh, the best bloggers uh, out there on the show and spencer hall certainly a college football icon and now we got another one that's probably the most successful blogger that we've had at these <laughs> events uh and also a college football all-american in his own right so uh john thornton welcome to the ogs
2: hey guys thanks for having me man. good to see you again
0: I joke about him being a blogger, but really, that's how we we hooked up when we were doing our blogger conferences back in the day. We actually had uh, Who Day Revolution, which was a Bengals blog that was part of one of our panels, and we were looking for athletes that were embracing uh, social and new media. And they said, "Hey, you got to check out this guy, John Thornton." Uh, John, like, what what steered you in that direction post career?
2: Oh wow! Um, well, I was doing that. I, I had a website probably in 2005, like, because that was before social media. So Three days I, had player, days. I had a player website <laughs> and um, it was, and my, my message board was huge, you know, because it really wasn't many out there, you know. And I had got the idea from a Tennessee Titans message board that I used to go and frequent this Titans website. And the guy helped me start mine. And so it just kind of snowballed from there. But I was definitely one of the first. I think first NFL players to really embrace that side of it, to really have a true relationship with the fans. And and it was one of the first in Cincinnati because, you know, I remember Bengals.com. It was Jeff Hobson was like, hey, can we link your message board to Bengals.com? And just think of that today, a player a player website being the main <laughs> message board for an NFL team. So, uh, you know, the local talk show hosts used to post their shows on my message board. So once I got done, it was a natural Thing for me because I was doing radio shows and and things of that nature. But I was always listening to sports talk shows and and I always absorbed sports content more so than most of the guys that I was playing with. So it was just a natural thing.
1: Yeah, I mean to, to give people a sense of of how far out in front you were, and certainly from a football standpoint, but just athlete standpoint, I remember you and I taking a trip to Portland, to Nike headquarters, because at the time, and this was what, 2009, I wanna say? Yeah. yeah. And that Nike, my clients at Nike had reached out saying, hey, we're putting together this kind of like symposium. I don't know, it was 50, 75 people from the Nike marketing org and they wanted to talk to athletes who actually understood social media. And this was Nike. I mean, this was like, you yeah. had guys now that are, you know, the dominant players at, at Nike that are, you know, shaping social media. But at the time that was so foreign that they had to bring John in as the athlete that they could talk to, despite having hundreds of people under contract, uh, that, that would seemingly understand this, but it was, that's how far out in front he was. I also got to meet, didn't we meet Ken, or I get to meet Ken Griffey yeah. Jr. in the lobby King there. Jr. Awesome I remember sign, taking a yeah, picture actually. with him,
2: but yeah, that Nike conference, um, they were sitting there trying to figure out what to do with Pete Sampras and having all of these Facebook followers. And I remember sitting in a room with you guys and, and they were asking, you had, you had a Nike rep saying, Hey, you know, what do we do with these athletes? Serena Williams and all of these people that have this following, like how do we embrace this new thing called social media? And I'm sitting here talking to them. (laughs) It, It was just crazy to me, you know? And, um, and it, and it took off right after that. I think social media at that point was was just for the nerds like us. But, um, you know, the companies were afraid of it, you know, and I think we said at the time that, hey, you know, a tweet is going to replace an autograph and, and, and things of that nature. I mean, it was really like the the athletes responding to fans was was huge, you know. So um, nah, it's, it's come a long way, you know, in this last, what, 10, 12 years. I mean, it's come a long way.
0: Yeah, 2005. I mean, we're talking 15, 16 years now, man. <laughs>
2: that's that's yeah.
0: ages. It's older yeah. than my kids. <laughs> um, you know, from a, a logistical standpoint, were you creating these sites yourself? Did you have somebody that helped you uh, build like that on the technical side? How, how did that go out?
2: Yeah, I had um, I, I had people create the platform. I mean, I did all the work. I I did all the writing. I did all the updating. Um, I had a guy that did the Titan site early on. He would, when I had bingocentral.com, that was probably my most popular site. He would just create the template and then I would go in and update how everything looked. But, um, as I went forward, it became more of a blog. And then I did all of that. You know, I had somebody create the, you know, the header, you know, the little caricature. And then I just wrote everything or I did the video, um, you know. Did that, Now I use social media to kind of promote it a little bit. But it was it was pretty popular that way.
0: You know, we always ask guys and girls that are guests, like, "What was your plan in doing this?" And most of them usually say, "I didn't really have one. Was just having fun, just throwing it out there." But you know, your trajectory, I think, from player. Uh, to media personnel, you did radio and stuff like that. And certainly what you're talking about with digital stuff uh, to jock biz and, and to the agent uh, uh, that you've become. And we'll talk about that progression, but when you're doing this stuff and you're just kind of post career, getting out of your career, w- was there any foresight of using this as a launching pad to anything different?
2: No, honestly, like when I started doing, <laughs> I mean, just, just think of a guy that's playing in, in you know, in the professional ranks you know you're making millions of dollars and yet you're 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 spending all of this time talking to people you don't know and all hours at night like okay what am i going to post on sunday so i had no idea i had no plans to take it super far i just enjoyed doing it you know because i was a fan like I said, of, of sports content, you know, I don't think anybody consumes as much sports or football content as me. You know, even to this day, like I read, I listen, you know, I don't listen to much music unless I'm working out, but everything else is a, some kind of talk show podcast now, um, watching sports. So I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the interaction with the fans, uh, ticket giveaways, just different things that I felt like because I was a fan and that that was probably what it was, but I didn't have any plans of trying to monetize it or make it into a crazy career. I wanted to be in the media when I was done. Um, You know, I wasn't a prominent player, but I was, you know, people knew me. Um, So yeah, I wanted to kind of go to the ESPNs at the time and stuff like that. But once I got done and my career just sort of went a different way, but, but I, I didn't have to answer your question. I didn't have any plans. When I first started doing it, other than
0: I enjoyed it, um, you know, I think w- 2000, I would say nine ten 10 is is really when we started hooking up. Well, Kyle said the conference was oh, nine. Is that what you say, Kyle? Yeah, it was. 09. Yeah. All right. So, you know, around around that time. Um, I think you were involved with JockBiz then too, right? Which I saw as a lot of mentorship towards players, uh, bringing them along, a lot of community involvement. Um, So the sort of transition from the stuff that you were doing as a player, the stuff that you were doing as a personality, the interacting, um, you know, tell us a little bit about JockBiz and how one thing kind of led to another.
2: So JockBiz was originally... um, I wanted to help players create this. It wasn't even a brand. I don't think we called it brand then, but you know, you had an off field, whatever your off field business was. So it was sort of combining the jock side of your career and the biz. You know, most players that had websites, it was all action shots and it was all everything about them on the field. And I- Let
0: me stop you right there. Yeah. What you just said is what everybody talks about today. <laughs> and this was, again, not a. Uh, 12 years ago, a dozen Mm -hmm. years ago, talking about the athlete Mm businessman, when people still didn't understand the value of social media. And here you are putting all these things together, which is sort of the norm and the ad nauseum talking points today of, um, you know, everyone (laughs) in every aspect of sports is that connection between business on field, off field.
2: Yeah. So no, it it was one of these things. And so when you go to player websites, it was just the same things that you would see on the team websites and all these things. So, you know, as players, you love to see your pictures and, you know, things like that. But I just wanted to say, hey, man, why don't you create a site that people can really know who you are? They know the football side. But if you are into some philanthropy or whatever your hobbies are or or whatever that is, I thought people could go before social, you know, before your Instagram and you can go and see who somebody is. Uh, You know, if you got a picture in a suit, put that on there. If you got a picture at a charity event promote your charities or raise money for your charity on your website. So that was really the whole thing behind Jockbiz and then it became Jockbiz Sports, which was more the agent side of things once I morphed into that. So the whole plan in the beginning was hey, create this different side so people can get to know you and if you do have aspirations of doing something else outside of football, somebody can go to your site and really know you outside of going to say Bingles.com or Titans.com and now they just see a picture of me hitting the quarterback and got my stats. They don't know anything about me as a person. And so I just felt like players that were interested in that that's how they could do it create your own website, tell your own story. So that was really what you know, once you get into social media, people were telling their own story, quote unquote. So, uh yeah, it was probably before that whole uh social media stuff, but that that was my whole point of job
0: was it difficult um, recruiting clients?
2: Um, no, it wasn't because I wasn't I, – I worked with some players that I played with and then some guys in the area, obviously in Cincinnati. I wasn't one of these guys going out trying to go to colleges, and, you know, because if I would have stayed independent, I wouldn't even have been a recruiter. I'd gone to, you know – USC or UCLA and recruiting this linebacker or recruiting this receiver. I wasn't doing that. I mean, it was really a lot of players were coming to me for help on different things. So it wasn't hard then because I was underground, so to speak. And uh, I think it gets hard once you become, you know, you go to a bigger company or you become known, you know, or you, you get your license. So speak. It becomes hard. Then everyone hates on me. So uh, when, when nobody knew who I was, it was, it was kind of easy to navigate.
0: How easy was it to navigate uh, just professionally from a guy that's played football, you know, your entire life uh, to becoming really an independent business, like you said, um, you know, and then providing really tangible services for people that, you know, study marketing or did this or, you know, spent their educational early professional career, um, you know, building towards a career for a guy to transition literally from a, you know, a player uh, to a, not only an independent business, but somebody that's providing actually services. Um, was that difficult for
2: you? It, you know, I, honestly, it wasn't. I had no problem partnering with people. Uh, I had no problem finding who did something better than me or who was an expert in this area. So I would have relationships with different agencies, you know, whether it was these big agencies, these big agencies, or this person, that person. Um, so I would partner with an agency that did this marketing piece, but they couldn't do what I did and I couldn't do what they did. So we partnered and the player got great service. So that's how I started. I was really one of these guys that just relied on my relationships and I didn't have an ego. Uh, I came into it with my own money. So people trusted me a little bit more. Uh, I wasn't really coming to them to say, Hey, let's partner, but you fund it all. And then you split it with me. You know, some people try to do that and they wonder why they can't, you know, uh, well, people don't want to work with them, but I had no problem work with anybody because they knew that. Okay, we have to get this, put this money up front. I was going to give them a check for half of it, you know. So um, I always was about partnerships, and I always was about finding people and trying to have a good collaboration, and hopefully the client will win in that that space, you know, because I brought something to the table, and if you bring something to the table now, if we don't have this ego thing you know, we can provide a great service and we can build our business because we'll have this happy client that'll recruit another happy client. And now you look up in a year or two, you got 10 happy clients and now you have a business. And so that's what it was for me, you know, and it was a little bit easy. Obviously I played. And so it wasn't, you know, I was retired at that point. So it's not like I'm a player says, no, I'm gonna go home and cry. You know, Um, I, I was fine. So I was just really working with the people that I wanted to work with.
0: Uh, in terms of uh, tying it all together, right? So and we see the, uh, the paper airplane, right? That's what it is. Oh yeah, the paper, paper airplane. The paper plane. Um, you know, you're you're with Rock Nation now. Uh, you had a stop in between with with Octagon. I mean, two major companies, uh, two major agencies, both I think equally known, uh, both being agents, uh, but also on the marketing side. So kind of tying this all together. Um, You know, I guess you were always repping players in some capacity, um, but what was your ambition like to actually become a certified agent? Was that always something that you kind of wanted to do or maybe wanted to do or you just fell into?
2: I think I fell into that um, because once the CBA changed in 2011, after the lockout or whatever that was, I think it was a lockout, it wasn't a strike, Um, it became a rule that you couldn't, split any fees with a non-certified person right so um one of the guys that i was working with rick smith in in chicago he worked for priority sports you know he was one of my mentors like one of the guys that had no problem working with me you know most of the big agents like that wouldn't they, they didn't trust me you know they'd be like oh you bring in this player you're going to take him and you know rick was very good very secure um, but he was also giving me knowledge along the way because I had this knowledge as a player and he was giving me the little intricacies of the, the agent side. So he said, man, you might as well get your license. And I'm like, why? He was like, you you know, everything we do, uh, you know, the business. He was like, just become legit. You know, no, nobody can say a negative thing about you. You're not you won't be looked at as this, you know, a runner, even though I wasn't a runner. And, you know, the dark side of the agent business and people think everyone's shady. Uh, he said, just just become legit. You got your own company already. You have clients. And so I took my test and, and I passed it and I became a certified agent. So that wasn't my plan because I was making the same amount of money and probably more uh, just doing it the way I was doing it. But, you know, there there are there are benefits of, of being certified. And now I'm in a whole different role. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that's how I sort of became a legit certified agent.
0: What's that, what's that role now that's a little bit different?
2: Well, I'm not really, uh, you know, before I said when I started, I was in the jock business space, really trying to help athletes uh, create this space for themselves off the field. And now it's pretty much the whole thing, like right? it's more focused on football It's more focused on, OK, I'm recruiting this player, I'm recruiting this player, I'm representing this player that's in the NFL. Um, So my time is more consumed with football, right? We have people that handle philanthropy. We have people that handle marketing. We have a a digital team that handles the social media. Um, So I kind of tie it all together. You know, we have managers for the players that handle a lot of the day-to-day stuff. So with me, it's about building this relationship with the player, helping them go through the draft process once they get in the league. You know, the draft just passed this weekend, so now it's really helping the guys and letting them know what to expect for rookie mini camp, and you know how to handle your summer break and how to get ready for training camp, and you know going through that tough rookie season. So it's more football uh, specific than it was back then, because back then, like I said, I was partnering with agents, so they were handling the contracts and stuff like that. Now I'm I'm handling all of that, the renegotiations, the the first contract, and so. Kind of more pinpointed in a certain way?
0: I think there's, um, you know, it's interesting when it comes to marketing and sports, right? I always say marketing in sports equates to sponsorship marketing and and any other business really is about sort of brand development of the individual i feel like a lot of uh your traditional agencies that you know you kind of alluded to um are coming in backwards right they're agents first that's what they're supposed to do that's what their background is in um but then a company like rock comes in which was a marketing agency first right i would say and a uh, sports agency second and now it's like all these traditional agencies need to keep up with that because of expectations and the glitz and the glamour that come with it with a name like that so do you find that um the way that uh rock sports came about uh sort of puts you uh, above some of these other ones that are playing catch-up maybe over promising under delivering with skill sets that they're not they're not used to delivering upon does that make sense
2: Um, it makes sense yes but i i think the difference with rock is that you know, is Jay-Z started Rock Nation in 2008. So, Rock Nation has been building brands for a long time, whether it exactly. was yeah. Jay-Z, whether it was, you know, obviously the music side with, you know, Rockefeller Records and Kanye and everybody that's come from that. So, they're, they've taken individuals and helped build brands. Or, you know, they've taken a champagne from, you know, Ace of Spades and now it's this thing that selling for 500 million and, you know, with title and and everything that they really touch is, it's really a long-term plan. So when you come to the sports space, when they first started, it was like, you know, they had the mega players. They had the Kevin Durant, the Robinson Canoes, the, uh, you know, the Victor Cruz's. And so they were coming, you know, Todd Gurley, each year it was like this one mega player. And it, it was, it was something that they've already done. You know, they they're not not say they I'm saying, you know, we now. But when I was looking at it on outside in, it was like they, they've done this. So they're, they're not coming into it like a normal sports agency um and how they approach you, because they have people that are specialized in building brands and the marketing side of it. So um and, and, and as you know, every player, you know, you're not going to get marketing deals. I don't care. You could be the best defensive tackle or nose guard in the NFL, you're probably not going to get many marketing deals because that's just the position. And you don't see many guys biting into a cheeseburger. That's a nose guard. You know, you're going to be a receiver quarterback or some outlandish player that's just out of this world, you know? So you got to have expectations and no matter what company you're at, whether it's a rock nation or any other big company that has a marketing background, um, people do sell that stuff, but You you got it. I tell guys all the time, the marketing piece, you got to be a good player, you know, or you got to come from some top school or get drafted super high. And, um, you know, at Rock, we we do a good job of of managing expectations um, because it's, it's totally different. You know, the world is different. The marketing is different from when it was, I'm sure, when Rock Nation started. You know, now it's like how many followers does the guy have? You know, and so you tie it back to the social media piece you know, so, uh, you know, the marketing is definitely different and, and we try to keep the expectations uh, in the right space because players will get upset or players will come to us thinking that they're going to come here and get all this marketing. We're like, no, if you're a really good player or if you do your thing on the field, then yeah, we can help, but I don't care where you go. If you're a backup offensive guard, you know, we can't can't call the local Ford dealership and get you a, you know, a dealer car. <laughs> like, get out of here, you know, so, but most players don't understand. They think that uh, and I, and I was like that as a player too. You know, you think you're an NFL player, you're supposed to get things. So, I hope that explains it. But yeah, I mean, Rock Nation is is a brand in itself. You know, Rock Nation Sports is an arm of that. Um, so, I mean, guys like Todd Gurley and Leonard Fournette and you know Saquon, those guys were getting mega deals, of course.
0: Right, with or without Rock, though. I mean, yeah. Cruz, Gurley, Cano. Durant, right? I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of work that would go into that, but these other sort of younger guys that are either positional or, you know, just not that, like, dynamic, like you said, that top name, um, yeah. you know,
2: how are you... But, but it can also, let me just, I don't mean to cut you off, mm-hmm. but even no. a guy like Kevin Durant, right? He he was in a certain space. And when he came to rock, he went to another space, right? So so that that's where I think people... You know, like Rock Nation that have a certain way of doing business can take you from one level to the next, you know. And I think now Kevin has his own company now, he does his own business, but I think, you know, him and Rich Kleiman, and Rich Kleiman was one of the original, uh, you know, Rock Nation um, guys, you know, you do business a certain way. And, you know, Robinson could know once he came to Rock Nation, he wanted to do more things, you know, to build his brand as far as building schools in the Dominican Republic and you know, he knew he was going to get a big contract. He was with Scott Boris, you know, so, but he came here and got it, you know. So I I think that, yeah, you say they can do that anywhere, but not a lot of guys are thinking that way. You know, Kevin Durant was probably like, man, I'm this awesome player, and I am i don't want to speak for him, but he wasn't getting what LeBron was getting. LeBron was more of an independent kind of mogul, becoming a mogul, and I think Kevin, uh, he did that, you know, and, and I would say that Rock Nation had some part in that. Um, and obviously he does, you know, great on his own. So um, I do think players, if they do think in a business mind, they can use a place like Rock Nation to just propel themselves. Whereas, um, like I had, and I use this example a lot. I played with um, a guy by the name of Dahani the- Jones. You know, Tahani wasn't a big marketing guy when he played. He wasn't getting like a lot of deals, right? but he was partnering with people to travel channel and all these different things, spraying for breeze and, and just doing this weird stuff. Oh, and dressing.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He was dressing like this weird guy. And I'm like, and this is before the skinny jeans were in and, you know, we walking in the locker room going to games. And I'm like, why are you dressing like that? You know, he was just so interesting to me. <laughs> and I'm like, what kind of, you know, and I would just talk to him about his cameras, you know, because he would show me pictures from his travels to Brazil and this weird place for the Travel Channel. But his his stuff carried over to his post career because he did it the right way. And other guys that were at these big agencies that were getting this huge shoe deal that might have been fifty thousand dollar deal, or you know they had uh, they were marketing some kind of pistachio, or they were doing this and that, whatever it is. That was short term stuff, is what I'm saying. But if you have a mentality of just take it to Honey Jones. Right. This is before I even got into this agent stuff. He had more of a long term plan and he had more a plan that was going to be beneficial to him, not just in 2007. You know, his is still carried over today where he's working with Dan Gilbert, uh, you a know, Cavs owner and in all kind of business with him because of how he carried himself. So I think a lot of guys can take this marketing branding stuff and parlay it into some kind of business uh, entity, that's where the play is. It's not getting a Nike deal, you know, and it's not getting, um, you know, some local sponsorship, that's going to be a $25,000 deal. And they're going to put your face up on a commercial. I mean, that that's cool, you know, but at the end of the day, like, listen, you're, you're making millions of dollars. Well, who cares if you're getting, you know, a $25,000 deal. Now, if you can parlay that relationship from, into some kind of equity and 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 that's where the space is going now. So, um, that, that was what I was
1: gonna I was gonna ask about that because yeah. as you use those KD examples <laughs> and it's gone from I want that shoe deal to I want I want a stake in this company and you know yes. whatever and 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 all these upstart brands with VC you know billions in VC dollars yes. that need they need a face of the brand and they're not necessarily gonna think or be able to go to the top tier yes. guy and they're willing to get more creative and so how is that changing? The face of things, obviously, KD is sort of like a, one of the, if not the marquee example of that. success. Yeah, I
2: mean, people I mean, he probably parlayed going to Golden State to getting championships and then meeting people in that space, you know, Silicon Valley. You know, what I mean, he did the right thing, you know, and, and people, you know, you see every day he's, oh, this company that he was into early on, it's now it's valued at this billion, you know, so. I, and that's hard for every player to get into. I, I, obviously, K.E. is, you know, at the top of that kind of stuff. But I was just saying, like, regular athletes, you know, you you want to get into that space. You want to get into finding some type of outlet for your money or, you know, don't just take this regular deal, you know, or don't just take this. Oh, it's a ten thousand dollar thing. OK, this is a five thousand dollar. That's cool. You know, you put some extra pocket money, but can you find something that's going to have a long term effect that's going to take advantage of your time in the spotlight? And and that's where I think players. I mean, this has always happened, You know, I mean, players just don't think that way. They don't think about being 40. You know, they think about what things are when they're 22, 23. And so that's why I said a guy like the honey Jones was he was brilliant. I mean, he was different. He was weird. And I see him all the time and I'll call him weird to his face. You know, we were in Napa a couple years ago and I said, man, you're so weird. Like <laughs> he just, but he's, he's, I mean, he, he knows what he's doing and um, he can get into any room and navigate. And um, I just felt like he was brilliant, but, but that's where I think players should, you know, take their career off the field, you know, do things that's authentic to you. People going to respect it. And um, you know, When you brand and market yourself, that's what you should be doing. Like stop worrying about the little, you know, the Little deals that everyone's doing,
0: you know? it, it, it's weird because, in one sense, you know, do the the KDs and the LeBrons, you know, create this unrealistic expectation for these guys that aren't on that level that aspire to be like that, right? Instead of look, you know, those guys are held up as opposed to the guys like uh, the Honey Jones and John Thornton. And the guy that when you're talking about the Honey Jones that came to my mind was uh, Emmanuel Acho, who mm-hmm. I remember seeing at South by a couple of years ago, granted he went to Texas, but you know, he's everywhere. I've seen him on commercials. He's got his show, he's got his podcast. I remember he had weird socks. There was some weird dressing thing going. So maybe something about those eclectic dressers that have something going on. So, you know, steering younger players' minds to how do I become the next, those guys, instead of, you know, those LeBron types, I think is, you know, basically what I try to do every single day. Uh that's crazy. But you got
2: and you have to be and who just think of the guys we're talking about, right? On a higher level, you're talking about all-time players. You're talking about LeBron, Kevin Durant. Um Exactly. And you see a lot of guys like uh, you know, Dame Lillard and you know, guys just doing these extraordinary things off the field and parlay and they playing into different things, but they're great players too. So When you come into a space like football, where it's more of a team sport and all the shoe companies are cutting back their deals because they don't, you know, you got Adidas that only wants to deal with receivers and running backs now. Okay. You got Nike that's like, why are we going to give you a shoe deal when our logo is on a jersey already? Like, you know, so now all these things that were available to players, only, they're really only available to certain types of players. And so you just have to find a different way. To parlay outside of the field. Now you're gonna make more money on the field than anything, right? And if you don't remember that, that's the problem. I always say keep the main thing the main thing. Um, so if you're gonna make five, 10, 15 million on the field, do that. Don't, you know. And then once you get into that space where you know, okay, now you're making a certain amount of money and you wanna get into the business side,
1: who's gonna help
2: you? And and that's where you brand yourself and you market yourself. Um, and you got all these things now that, you know, NFTs and, they, you know, it's just so much stuff being dumped into the space, you know, outside of normal business dealings that you just have to be around good people. And and that's where the athlete, in my mind, have to find people that can help them. And just because a guy is helping your teammate doesn't mean he can help you. So you have to find people, talk to people that think like you and that can really benefit you. Um, So that's obviously probably a different conversation. But I think that's where the marketing branding uh, stuff has changed over the past 10, 15 years that, you know, there was a whole business for certain things. And then now with COVID hitting, you know, everything shut down and and you got to come out of this with a whole different mindset.
1: You know, it strikes me that, I mean, you look back and it's obviously, you know, for a long time, the narrative was always kind of the same of don't be one of those cautionary tales that goes broke like that was it, was it was that was and then you know i think now we're at a level where you know there's a lot of guys that the ambition is much greater than that i think it seems as though for you know the the status quo at least the norm has become a lot more savvy than it was mm-hmm. but undoubtedly i'm sure that just means a whole new set of challenges a whole new set of people coming at you trying to get money yeah i know not to, to, to how to manage this but you just said it like nfts is a great example every athlete has probably gotten 10 pitches for or their reps have gotten 10 pitches, eight of which those companies may or may not actually be a real thing or be good at, you know, like at all, have their best interests in mind, you know, at best who, who, how has that changed from when you were playing to now in terms of kind of who's coming at you, how savvy the players are, where the new risks are, you know, what, what that looks like today.
2: Yeah. It's, it is always risk. And, and I, I just think now with everything being digital, you just don't know what's real. You don't know, uh, you see all these investments in Bitcoin and all these coins now. And it's like, oh, this person just made $2 million today. And like, is that real? Like, you know, and so you, you see in all these things and that's why it's just important to have trustworthy people around you just to explain it, you know, or, you know, you can't trust everybody, you know, because their intentions might not line up with your intentions. You know, they, you know, I, I've been seeing it for so long, you know, even with the couple of years ago is the cannabis business. Right. You had everyone. Oh, we're going to get it legalized in Ohio. We're putting this money together. And only one person is benefiting from that At a group. You know, the, the, you don't get your license. Only one person. got paid, and, and so you just got to be careful. And, you know, everybody and well, not everybody, but people in every field go broke. So it's not really the athlete thing. It's just that you are a well-known guy that could lose all your money. And and that's what people remember. But, um, but yeah, I just think that, you know, there's a lot of things to get into off the field, you know, just make sure it's credible and make sure you got good people around you that, you know, their uh, like I said, their intentions line up with yours. And and I think sometimes when you are focusing on just football and you trust somebody blindly, you got to make sure that person is good at what they do. And, um, yeah, but things have just changed. It's not just, Pitching somebody for some deal, you know, because that's 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 all different now, you know,
0: I always say, you know, athletes don't need more sports people around them. They need more like (laughs) business people and real world people (laughs) to tell them what they're doing. I think the other thing with NFTs and everything else is, like you said, guys are getting 10 pitches a day. Everybody's getting pitches. Then I'm getting guys that are telling me how do we get in on this nft and i'm saying well what's different what's valuable what sets you apart for doing that so i think that's the other thing is everybody is playing catch up instead of looking forward so finding a group around you that's kind of on the pulse of these things that are coming down that can do these different things not much different than what we we're talking about with you is embracing social media embracing these things but you know looking forward not backward which i think is an issue well let's let's look in the present right now john coming off the uh the draft wh- who are you repping this year how they make out how do you feel about coming into this year and what uh, what you have to deal with in, in terms of the uh, pandemic and such?
2: Um, well, I've rep one guy. I typically rep one or two guys a year. Uh, I had Aziz Ojolari, uh outside backer from Georgia. He went uh, second round to the Giants, uh, which I was um, – he was talked about as a first-round guy uh, late in the process – some news came out that he had like arthritis in his knees and kids never missed practice, never missed the game. And, uh, he had a, a surgery in high school, uh, he had ACL surgery in high school. So I guess that's where it stemmed from. But, um, you know, he landed in New York, which that was a team I wanted him to go to, but in the first round, you know, um, uh, so the process, you know, with COVID it was just no combine, um, you know, it wasn't many people at the games early on. So I really didn't get out on the road. There was a lot of zooms um, as far as recruiting, but um, everything else was the same. You know, teams are trying to get to know these guys, uh, you know, on computers. And so, you know, the draft's always going to be the same way. It's just, I think this year the teams didn't have the same amount of information uh, that they normally have. But um you know, the draft roster, you really want to help your guys understand what's going on. And um, we just don't want them to have bad information, you know, and and, and obviously everyone, you, you want to get your clients drafted as high as possible. You know, last year I had the fourth pick in the draft, Andrew Thomas, that went to the Giants. And, and that was, that was amazing, you know, to go that high. Um, but majority of the NFL is made up of guys not drafted in the first round, <laughs> you know, probably about 80, 90% of the NFL is. So, uh, you just want to make sure guys, hopefully they go to the right system. Uh, they have a great opportunity to play. And then once they get in, it's just about working and, you know, putting your head down for a couple of years. Then hopefully you look back up and you're, you're one of the top guys at your position. And now you're talking about another deal and stuff like that. So there's a lot that goes into it and the player development. And, um, you know, once you get established in the league or as you get established in what you're doing, you can start talking about doing stuff off the field and charity and, you know, it's a lot of marketing opportunities, autograph signings, you try to keep them to a certain point, but, uh, but that's really the draft process. You know, I always take like a week off after the draft just to sort of decompress and, you know, get my diet right again and, you know, <laughs> stop drinking so much and, um, you know, you get back at it. So it, it's always fun for me. I, I love seeing people achieve their dreams and um, I just try to help them get in best, best way possible.
0: Now it's was, uh, you know, I, I, half joke with guys that I talk about is like, all right, now you're in camp, you're on a team. Now you, now my job is done, right? Is your job done? I know at some point, like you said, you'll pick up these charities and these marketing opportunities, etc. But my other joke is now you're recruiting their replacement. No, like now <laughs> you got to get back in it. Yeah. And, you know, as, a, from a player's standpoint, as a guy that's a former player, I mean, how do guys that are now in this position take that right mentality, knowing that they are, they're replaceable. Uh, I think at one of our shows, uh, Kyle, remember uh, somebody told Chris Cluey that he's just a replaceable commodity and there are younger people that can kick the ball just as far as he can that won't open (laughs) his mouth as much as uh, he will. So, you know, from a mental state, how do these guys now face the grind of being a professional football player knowing that, you know, they're one snap away?
2: I think they, they realize it quickly, you know, as soon as they get into that first meeting, everything changes. Right. Um, But I try to prep them on that before, like it's, it's never, you know, the way that people make it out to be, you know, because nobody cares where you're drafted in the NFL. Like once you, once Joe judge is in front of his team next week, you know, he's going to put them in this place where they're going to feel like they're not making a team. Right. And I don't know Joe Judge, but I just know just from watching him and knowing where he came from in New England and worked with Nick Saban. Like he's going to break these guys down to this place where they feel like they have to earn everything. And and you're going to forget where you're drafted until you go home. You know, you might look at your bank account every now and then, but, you know, you're going to you want everyone to feel like they have a chance to make the team. And you want the guys that know they're going to make the team feel like they're not. So, you got to go through that. You got to be mentally strong for that. And then you got to come and compete with the veterans that know that you're there to replace them and they're going to keep you at bay. Um, so I just told my guy, all my guys, listen, soak it up, you know, become good friends with the veterans. You know, even though they don't want to befriend you make sure you because they, they want to help you out and you are replaceable. There's a draft every year, you know, and, and there's no help wanted signs on any team. You know, there's no sign out there saying that we, we need help. But there's a draft. They're going to draft 260 guys every year. They're going to be a free agency every year. And teams will replace you if they can. If you're making too much money, they're going to try to replace you with somebody cheaper. And if you're cheaper, they're going to replace you with somebody that's cheap again the next year. So it's a game of Survivor. It's just played out every Sunday instead of whenever CBS shows Survivor. Um, but it, you have to have that mentality that you it's survive with the fittest and um, you got to separate yourself again. You know, the, the draft is just the starting point, right? It's going to set how much money you're going to make. That's all it is, you know, and how many opportunities you're going to get. First round get a lot of cracks at it. Undrafted free agent, you get about one or two shots. That's it. You hit the quarterback and practice your cut, you know, it's different things like that that you have to know.
0: Yeah. Now uh, we're, we're a bunch of fathers on here. And as a Mountaineer, uh, you got somebody following Pop's footsteps, huh?
2: Yeah, I got my uh, so my twenty year old, my oldest kid. He's he'll be a red shirt sophomore this year, uh, and he just texted me. He has his final uh, exam at two, so he's gonna come home in the morning. I think he get about three weeks off.
0: You didn't influence this uh, decision, did
2: you? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I just, I just, I just steered it a little. Uh, but no, he he's he was a good player, and the schools that were offering him, I felt like West Virginia was the best option for him. Um, you know, and then my, I got a rising senior in high school who's really talented. Um, so he's trying to decide where he wants to go and I have a nine year old. Um, so they keep me busy, man, the sports, you know, constantly. And, uh, it's just fun, you know, being in the industry that I'm in and then all of my kids play football and, you know, I just try to soak it up. I try to enjoy it as much, try to give as much attention to my clients, uh, and my kids, I mean, that's really my life. So it's a fun thing. I'm just surrounded by so much, so many sports.
0: You know, John Runyon came to one of our events out in Chicago, came to to the after party. But I remember talking to him when he decided not to rerun for Congress. What he, his, his son was following his footsteps, went to Michigan. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to hop in the RV every weekend and go watch my kid play football. <laughs> he's like, that's, that's
2: what that's I want to do. Yeah. That's fun. I, I mean, with me, I like to watch on TV. Like, I don't you know, I don't want to go to West Virginia to go to every home game. You know, uh, I always enjoyed when my parents watch me on TV. Um, and then with me, I love watching my son on TV or when they're playing, cause I'm watching anyway, you know, just my school. Um, but I'll go to a few games a year. And and then with my, my, my other son playing on Friday nights, it's kind of hard to get up the next morning to make it to a 12 o'clock game in Morgantown. You, know, you don't want to get up at 3 30 and top on the road, but, um, no, it's, it's fun, man. It's, it's, you know, it's a blessing to, to have kids in that space and, um, you know, just to keep your health and be able to just follow them around. I want them to be successful. They don't have to play sports, but, you know, as long, as long as they enjoy it, I want them to be, uh, and I try to support them as much as I can, you know,
0: well, John, you've done quite a few events for us, and and thank you. I think it was a, a natural fit for us, and hopefully it was a natural fit for you. What you described sounds like it. Got to go out and meet Ken Griffey Jr. with with Kyle. So, um, yeah. you know, uh, Charles has always uh, been around, too. Great guy. Uh, Fisher, uh, a friend of yours, yeah. colleague of yours. Uh, he was with Jock Biz with you, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah we, we were always together. and Now we still we work together now at Rock Nation.
0: Awesome. Um, I know we were out in Vegas, uh, from what I remember.
2: Uh, (laughs) That was was awesome, man. That was was awesome.
0: Couple, couple different places. Anything, uh, anything stick out about? You know, maybe not so much the experience. A lot of people talk about the blogger community. You were in a different, you know, a different position, obviously. But, you know, from the from the people that you met, anybody or anything really jump out at you? I
2: mean, just the whole experience. I mean, even the one you guys did in New York. Um, I think I spoke there as yeah, you're
0: well. you're at Bloomberg um, with the... Yeah.
2: yeah, so no, it was just these people that always... It was a community, right? And not everybody understood the blogging or that space. You know, it was almost not before our time, before the social media craze, but it was people that thought the same way. Um, and obviously, if we get into those conferences, we can speak to each other and help each other. Uh, no matter what field you came from, no matter if I was an athlete or, you know, somebody else came from the journal- journalism side, um, we were all these, you know, like I call it nerds. But, you know, and, and I, I like that, you know, we were just different and we knew how to handle the social media coming in because everyone else was afraid of it in traditional media uh like oh it's going to take my job away like no this is just an outlet for you if you know how to use it correctly so no I enjoyed all of them the Vegas one was epic I mean that was my favorite city but I mean that was just a fun time and just a lot of people that came through I think uh did uh Jalen Rose come through there
0: yeah yeah Yeah, so that's
2: I mean look and you see where he is now so I think it really um it just helped people It, it it really just put a stamp on what we were doing um you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember when my second child was born, Ty. My god, be kid to be a senior. Be a senior. Um, I remember he was born, like literally, he was born, and I was in the hospital room with my wife, and um, they they were both asleep. And so I got on my sidekick, but I had to do my mock draft on my website. And so I'm literally over in the side of the room, like getting this content together while he's sleeping, The nurse coming in checking on him and. And she was so mad at me, like, I can't believe that you're, you know, doing that. while we're... I'm like, you're asleep. Like, what do you want me to do? I got to update my website. Like, you know, <laughs> this guy that's in the NFL is just constantly trying to update his website. So I was always um, I always had a respect for the, uh, you know, the craft. And um, I think that's what all of us have, you know, a respect for people that write about sports or blog or whatever it is you're doing. And, um, you know, I always like it. So I appreciated you guys putting events on. It was always cool.
0: I uh, just like the fact that a decade later, you still take our calls. So, man, I appreciate, oh, I, is, appreciate you. It's is uh,
2: hard to hide. I mean, if you, <laughs> you know, if you got somebody's phone number, email, you know, Instagram, Twitter, you can't say that you didn't get a message. You'll know, <laughs> get I'll get you somehow. I'll yeah, find, no, no. You. I always, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like funny. I was at the gym and I was I was on the Stairmaster and I got a notification on my watch. And I was like, oh, crap. I got this thing. So I just made uh, sure I got home and showered and, uh, and got on with you guys. So it was I all appreciate
0: good. it, appreciate it,
1: man. Yeah, thanks for doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, John, you're certainly a, a, a different uh, a different type of person, man. And and it, that I mean that in the most positive way. These guys that you talked about, I think you're right up there with them. Whether uh, you know professionally, and hey, you know you talk about these guys that you know these these once in a lifetime players, but you know those guys that can last a decade in the league, you know, are built a different way too. So. Uh, congratulations on everything. Continued success. Thank you certainly for your friendship and collaborations over the years. We're going to let you go. We're going to stay no, on time. We're not going to rush point. this thing off now, Kyle. All right, John, where can everybody find you? Best best spot. We, we, you just said there's a lot of different places to get you, but if somebody needs to get you, where should uh, man, they get I you?
2: I don't tweet as much anymore, but that's where I just get news. But I'm on Twitter. I think it's at John Thornton. Uh, Instagram is um, NFL underscore Thornton. Uh, I think that's it. So I mean, Facebook is just you know my old high school friends. You're, you're Google um, you're,
0: you're Googleable. <laughs> Googleable.
2: <on. laughs> yeah, you can find me. You can find me. But no, I uh, yeah I, I, I'm sure people want to find
0: you. They can Google. Yeah, so so, okay. Sounds good, John. Thank you again, Kyle. Thanks for another great episode. I'm Don Povey. That's Kyle Bunch. That was our guest, John Thornton. Until next week, this is the OGs. Thanks, guys. Thanks,
1: uh thanks everybody.